Women aren't born warriors, we become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week I'm interviewing women who through tragedy and triumph are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Claudine's Kitchen is now doing holiday cheer in a box. Tis the season for holiday cheer prepared by Claudine's Kitchen and Bake Shop. Their bakery gift boxes are made to order and filled with Claudine's most beloved sweets. Order a gift for your local friends and family, or you can have a North Pole box shipped anywhere in the U.S. now through December 31st. Make sure you text 33733 and text Claudine for an easy way to order or go to ClaudineLA.com. Hello, Warrior Women. We are back. It is the holidays. And you know, the holidays can be tough for some of us. And we've talked about this before, but we're all kind of suffering right now. We're all kind of going through a lot of stuff. But you know what? We're going to suffer strong. And my guest today is going to tell you how. Today's show is really personal to me. I reveal a lot of my story with my kids, my son Landon. I'm even going through a little struggle with my daughter right now. She's having a tough time, physical challenge. So today, I want you to know that my guests and I are kindred spirits, but you're a kindred spirit with us too. We all are collectively having a hard time, but guess what? We're too blessed to be bitter. We're going to get through this together. We're going to learn and grow, and we're going to have post-traumatic growth instead of stress after all that. That's my goal. So buckle up and get ready for a great episode. Bring your tissues, bring your wine. We're going to have a good time. But first, I have a new sponsor. It's the Business Relationship Alliance. That's the Bra Network, guys. I love the Bra Network. It's a network of female entrepreneurs that lift and support each other. Guys, I love this group. I've talked about it many times. They believe in collaboration over competition. They hire women in their own network first, and they have amazing elevated networking events and courses. I've taken many of them. Guys, I can't say enough about the Bra Network. Use my code WARRIOR for 10% off an annual membership. Today on the show, we have Catherine Wolf. Catherine is a survivor, a communicator, an advocate, and a warrior. Originally from the South, she met her husband, Jay, in college. They married and moved to Los Angeles to pursue law school for Jay and the entertainment industry for Catherine. Their son, James, was born in 2007, and six months later, Catherine's life nearly ended with a catastrophic stroke. Miraculously, she survived and continues her recovery to this day, including having a miracle baby, John, in 2015. Catherine and Jay have shared their journey of steadfast hope and wholehearted living with hundreds of thousands of people at live events in 30 states and to millions more online since 2008. They released their first book, Hope Heals, in 2016 and in 2017 launched the Hope Heals Camp, a healing community for families with disabilities like them. Warrior mom Catherine and Jay and their sons live in Atlanta currently. Welcome to the show, Catherine. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be with you. And we used to live in Los Angeles, so we used to be right near you guys. I mean, why can't you move back? That's what I that's my right. first question. Well, gosh, we will always treasure our season in LA. We loved living there. We lived in Malibu. Um oh. law school in Pepperdine, and then we lived in Culver City, um, which we loved living there. It was super walkable and wonderful. Um, but yeah, we strangely, after California, have not been disappointed. We love Atlanta. We love living here. We love everything about it. Atlanta, I mean, who knew, has incredible restaurants, tons to do, just a great yeah. lifestyle. So if any of your listeners ever need to move. Um, <laughs> you recommend it? <laughs> it's not a bad place. Yeah, but gosh, Los Angeles is amazing and I will forever love it. It has a very special place in my heart and our story. I had two children there. Yes, exactly. There. You're still connected here. That's right. Oh, and you've got, we've oh, got yeah. a bunch of mutual friends that oh, live absolutely. here. So. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Shout out to Suzanne, to Shanna, to Allie. We have a yes. bunch of mutual friends. Shout out to them. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Probably many more. And, yes. um, and I Suzanne love all this coming people. on. 
Suzanne's oh, coming is. on the podcast. She will be, she might actually be after this episode. I'm trying to I think of where I'm putting that. her. I love that. I love Suzanne. Talking about her movie, oh, Hosea. I've seen it. Have you seen it? It's I so have. Oh, oh, wow. My word. You guys, wait till you see this movie, Hosea. You're going to, oh. it's going to blow your mind. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But back to you, Catherine. Back no, to Suzanne. you. Sorry, sorry. But I'm okay. a big Suzanne fan. So <laughs> We're big Suzanne fans. Um, tell me about, I like to go to the beginning because I always feel like this, is so telling about like our personalities and everything. But tell me about your life growing up. What did you think you would become? Yeah, uh, totally. Well, before um, I had the stroke, I had grown up for sure in a bubble, um, which is not that uncommon, I don't think, for pre-tragedy weren't fully awake to um, the fact that suffering can be a part of your story. And that was mine life for sure. I lived a very um, idyllic, somewhat um, probably um, naive, um, privileged life in the deep south in a small town. What I'm curious about is like when you were a little girl, like little. Totally. Did you have, like, were you like, I want to be a this or that? Like, what were you, what were your, what were your little dreams when you were like a little tiny Catherine, six, eight years old? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. It's fascinating um, to think that perhaps, and I hope you ask this question a lot and find this because I, I have a theory that some of the ways God wires us when we are little girls and we see that come out can take a different form for sure, but be what we end up doing with our lives. And I see that so much in my story. When I was six and seven and eight years old, I would stand in my closet and line up each and every one of my little dolls and give them impassioned, inspiring speeches about their lives and how, <laughs> how social justice, before I even knew what that was, was all around us and why they needed to tune into voices like Rosa Parks and read The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom and understand the brokenness of this world. And there was absolutely no reason for any of this, like who knows? where it came from. But now, um, almost every weekend of the year, I am speaking to larger crowds of <laughs> not dolls. But of women, real people. Yeah, of, of human <laughs> beings, um, but still sharing the same message of hope and um, inspiring them with what I know to be true, even at an older age. I'm 38 now and still doing the same thing as when I was eight. So 30 years later, um, not much has changed, but everything has changed. I'm obviously exactly. in a wheelchair now, and I wasn't in a wheelchair as an eight-year-old girl. I never saw myself sharing from a wheelchair. I didn't think a wheelchair would be part of my story for sure. Yeah. Well, you know what's what's wild about that, right, is that I still see that little person inside of you, right, that fire, because it's that fire and that person that could be giving impassioned speeches in the closet for God knows why, you know, that it really is the person that is able to keep you going in a wheelchair with all the stuff you have going right. on. So like, it's like that little, that little fiery girl is still there, you know, totally. propelling you. You are so right. I think there is a lot to grit. That grit is very much underrated in our world and not seen as the incredible attribute that it should be seen as that so many things that are celebrated um, about women are of no value. But to survive and cope with grit through very difficult situations is among the highest attributes we want to instill in our little girls. I don't have daughters, but if I did, that would be right at the top of the list. Um, top and of the list. Is yes. True resilience. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So let's, so on, you kind of alluded to it and I talked about it in the intro, but so on April 21st, 2008, your life was changed forever when you collapsed in your kitchen with your new baby in the next room. So tell me, do you remember a lot of that time? Yeah, oh, oh, totally. I remember that morning, April 21st, 2008, was normal in that I was exhausted and, you know, I hadn't slept. I was breastfeeding. I've got this new baby that won't sleep and... 
I feel gross, but that's not that unusual because I've been feeling that way for six months having a new baby. So it didn't feel like anything out of the ordinary. And as the day progressed, I felt just, just almost like nauseous and dizzy and just kind of later on had a weird headache. But once again, nothing, nothing to indicate it would be something so severe. I thought I had food poisoning or something. Um, I had no medical history, no family history whatsoever, no indication that there was anything wrong. It was a perfectly healthy 26-year-old, newly 26-year-old, who had just had a baby six months before. So when I start feeling really sick, I put my son um, down for a nap in the next room, and I began making some lunch. And that's when it gets really foggy. Basically, thankfully, which this was a miracle, my husband came home in between his final law school classes. So he was actually able to call 911. And I can remember kind of staring straight ahead and collapsing to my hands and knees. And everything went numb. And I started throwing up. Oh, my gosh. They quickly called. Um, 911 quickly came and put me on the stretcher. And I can remember in those moments um, as we're leaving the apartment, thinking that this was so overblown. Everybody's making it such a huge deal. This <laughs> By the way, that's such a woman. That's such a right. mom and such a woman. Right. You guys, I'm, I'm just having a little heart attack. It's totally fine. Leave right. me alone. Exactly. You've seen that video, oh, I'm sure. Oh, for sure. Oh, oh yeah, I'm fine. Why am I on the stretcher? I'm just having a little, I'm not having a little aneurysm. Everyone leave oh, me alone. I've I've actually spoken at a number of American Stroke Association events, and always that is the classic thing, is that young women who have strokes across the board always minimize it, and then they're literally dying. I mean, I mean we're joking, but this is not a joke. If you are listening right now, please hear what we are saying. We are saying oh. if you are collapsing on your hands and knees and throwing up in right. a stretcher, you call 911 right. and you get that stretcher and you go to the hospital and figure out what is going exactly, on. Exactly, exactly. Yes. Um, it's it basically from that moment when I went unconscious, they would end up taking me to UCLA, actually, medical center, where I would undergo 16 hours of microbrain surgery to keep me alive. And in that surgery, the surgeon had to make the decision to sacrifice things in order for me to live, which of course I feel like is such a powerful takeaway in all of our stories that there is very deep wounding in our, in our lives, but perhaps it can be so healing can come in other ways that things can flourish because of what, what what's left, the scars that remain. And so I obviously did live and um, I would spend two and a half months in the initial phase of the hospital at UCLA, then would move to a brain rehab facility where I would spend another almost two years, um, which that brain rehab is Casa Colina, which is in Pomona, California, which is not far from you. And I would live there. So in total, over two years in hospitals and brain rehabs before relearning basic function to stand at all to eat food and swallow at all. Oh my gosh. To, yeah, to do very, to relearn, to speak everything. Um, and what that, was it that they said you actually, like what actually happened? Did you have, you had a stroke or you had a, what happened? Th- thanks for asking. Yeah, it's called an AVM, an arterial venous malformation. It's very rare. It's a tiny collection of blood vessels that forms largely when you're in utero. So this was before I was even born. This collection of blood vessels was in my brain, in my brain stem actually. And it would grow and grow and grow for 26 years that I um, lived with it. And then it ruptured in my brain stem as a 26 year old. And had they not operated, the blood from the ABM rupturing would have enveloped my brain stem and I would have died. 
Wow. So the, the surgery was to remove the AVM. And in the process of removing the AVM, they had to remove almost half of my cerebellum, which is actually why I can't walk at all, is that I can't balance because the cerebellum is a part of the brain that controls your balance. Wow. And it had to be partially removed for me to live and them to remove it. Well, I mean, when I think about that, I mean, I have, I've heard money storage of, of just young mother dead, young mother dead, right? Gone. And that story is to me the most tragic story in the world, because it's like, there's the mother, the mother gone, this, this, the light that the healer, the nurturer, the, the, you know, the center of the family gone. The fact that you could have just been gone is so terrifying to me, but the fact that, that you did live even right. even with all these things and sacrifices and things, you think about it that you've lived to share your story, that you have lived to inspire your children, to inspire Absolutely. other women who oh, have, sure. you know, who have who have going gone through hell and just don't even know if they can live another day. And then they read, you know, one of your posts on Instagram and say, "Okay, I'll go on one more. She's going. I'm going to yeah. go too." You know. Oh, so, I mean, my gosh. What an insane blessing. But I, I always oh. joke, We I told you this before, I joke with Allie North Kleckler all the time yeah, yeah. that we don't get to choose our ministries. Right. <laughs> because mine was going to be, I told you, mine was going to be perfect mother and wife of two children. Right. But right. instead I have, I'm ADHD mom. I am mom with a kid with a very different arm. You know, I'm, I'm a different right. mom than I, than I yeah. thought it was going to be oh. in my story. We um, but always you, are. Yes. 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 But you say you joined the Young Suffering Club. Right. <laughs> I love that. Yes. Not by choice. Right. <laughs> by totally. <four>. Absolutely. <laughs> I love that thought so much that young suffering is so valuable because it informs the way you live the rest of your life. That when you have been through really hard things, when you are on the younger side of suffering, it means you've got this great opportunity to live differently after it because, you know, you've been to the depths and that's a great gift to suffer um, while young, where there's still time left to really live differently based on what you've been through. Absolutely. Do you meet a lot of, when you meet people who have maybe a similar story, are they usually young like you or are they usually older or what's the, what's the, what's the norm there in terms well, of people? I, I definitely, I definitely would attract, um, you know, anybody who suffered young is going to find us. <laughs> it's funny. Yes. Um, but gosh, I mean, if you live long enough, everybody's been through hell, let's be honest. So yeah. it's definitely a sum of both. You know, I, I'm very blessed in that I can relate so much to a young mother, you know, a 28-year-old mom, but I can relate to an 88-year-old woman who's also in a wheelchair and really suffering um, something as well. It's, it's, suffering is very universal. Yes. No, it is. And it's a great uniter, I feel like. Absolutely. And I also always say, like, you know, you have to reveal things. Like, I, I, you know, one thing about us that is we have in common is, you know, Landon's arm is out for the world to see. It's not like yeah. I can say, everything's great over here, guys, and just right. keep smiling. Everybody right. knows it's not great over here. So, like, and yes, do we forget about it? Do we sometimes just, you know, let it go and we just ignore it? We, you know, we just don't even, it doesn't even. Of course. It. Yeah, of course. Of course. course. We can't. We can't be flooded with it every second. But, you know, when you have a physical difference, it's on the outside. Right. You know, it's, you know, it's different, but everybody has these things and sometimes they're on the inside, but we are on the outside. So people will approach us and talk to us and, oh, like people will always say to me, well, I don't want to complain to you. And I say, why the hell not? Right. Yeah. No, <laughs> you're, you're so short. Totally. I call them invisible wheelchairs that everybody has things inside of them that are messed up that you wouldn't necessarily see. And some of us have stuff on the outside that you do see, but it's all stuff. And we've all got it. And in a way, Landon and your family and me and my family um, have like, it's a blessing in some ways to have some stuff on the outside, you know, I mean, people know what's going on. People are aware 
that like treat them with care. They're fragile. They've been through a lot. And sometimes people do. <laughs> yeah. um, but the reality is we all, have, we all have stuff. We all have really hard fear, shame, brokenness, memories. We got a lot of bad some mental illness happening. A lot of stuff on the inside that people can't see. Yeah. And I think it's hard for those people to reveal that sometimes, but I think it's in the revealing of that. Like when someone does tell me their stuff that is not on the outside, you know, that's when you can share. I feel more free to share my things too. Like, I feel like, you know, we, I mean, again, my stuff is on the outside sometimes, but you know, I feel like it, it really is important. We share with each other because if we don't say, like, if you don't say, for example, I'm sick of this freaking wheelchair. I'm sick yeah, of it. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't have to be gra- gracious about this stupid wheelchair every day of my life. Thank you very right. much. Like I can I can say I'm sick of it and that's fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You yeah. know like you need to be able to say real things because other people want to feel like they should be able to say real things too and they're not saying it because they think oh my god, I shouldn't say that. You know, I shouldn't right. say that I'm going crazy. Oh no, no. I shouldn't say that. No, you should. <laughs> right. You totally. Need to say yes, yes. Yes. No, for sure. Yes. Um so I think a lot of people, and I've thought about this a lot, would blame God. I I will, for your situation, I yeah. definitely, in the beginning, when I went home from the hospital without a baby, Catherine, yeah. that was not okay for me. Right. And I even said to my husband, I don't have a son. Right. I mean, I was just like, literally, I didn't even want to see him yeah. because it just broke my heart. Here's my baby. He's had a stroke. I think he's going to be brain damaged. I think they're going to amputate his arm. And I just almost disassociated. Like, I was like, I'm not, this is not my life. I don't want this life. This is not the life I want. And I really blamed God in that moment. And and it was like very, very hard for me because I was so faithful, you know, and I'd been through in vitro and I prayed over, you know, I I was praying for this child. And then, you know, here he comes and he comes in like a hot mess, you know, like just hot, coming in hot. Yeah, totally. Um, Tell me, did you struggle with that in the beginning? Did you feel like you were blaming God? Like, how did you, how did you come to this place? Yeah, totally. It was super complex for a very long time. Um, which I always say too, is everybody tries to put a neat button on their story long before it's ready. I mean, this was years in the process. Um, but I think even actually early on there, I can remember actually wondering if God made a mistake by leaving me on earth. Like I should have just died. Like my mm-hmm. body didn't work anymore. Did my life have any meaning? I can remember um, just thinking eventually things would be better for everyone. Jake could remarry. James could have a normal quote unquote mommy. And it would be like a better life for everybody. And God clearly um, forgot about me, messed up, made a mistake, all the things. And in those really deeply darkest moments, I felt somehow this bizarre like comfort, which is so crazy, um, with a lot of the truths I'd known about who God was since I was a child, actually. There we are talking about when I was a little girl again. When I was a little girl, actually, my parents had instilled in me a very deep sense that what God is doing in the course of your life is not about a moment of your life, that God is doing something big through your story. So don't think if there's some rough patches that that's it. That's not the end of the story of your life. That somehow God is working everything out in its time. And there was this bizarre sense, even after, like right after, I mean, a couple months when I could really think again, that um, in some way I could not possibly understand that and I think this is where that that grit came in. There was this sense of like, I'm up for this. Like God wired me for this. And that's a bizarre calling in some ways, but a very powerful one. Like I'm, I'm really made of some stuff from God, I believe, that enables me to live this life. And if more people could tune in 
to that reality that God made them for hard things, it would be a different world. You know, the whole like tragic victim mentality we all fall into that it's the worst thing that's ever happened to anybody. It's so stupid. No, it's not. There's way worse things that have happened to people. And the reality is, what are we going to do with the hard stuff that happens to us? And I think in in my lowest moment, there was a deep sense of leaning into the life right in front of me, not wishing for a different life. And I mean, that takes years to totally come to that place. But that is obviously where contentment is, where we all want to live, is being mindful that this is the good stuff. This is, for some reason, what my life is meant to look like. And there's peace in that. And I think that is so important. And, um, you know, everything all around us in life is telling us the opposite. That, no, it's not okay. You're not okay. Your kids are not okay. You need this. You need to be this. You need to look like this. And and the reality is that, like, joy is on the opposite side of all those things they're like no I love what I have I love who I am I love what I'm about and like that message is so antithetical it's almost like impossible to identify in our world people who are living like I'm in my lane I'm good I I love where I am like I mean, nobody could make any marketing money if that was the case. Because <laughs> we're all we're all buying the stuff telling us. Because we wouldn't be buying it. a damn thing. <laughs> right, exactly. Because we wouldn't need anything. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think I think there was a lot of God hurt my feelings throughout the journey, of course. Yeah, that's that is such a, a cool thing to think about is that you know it's not about those little moments, it's the, the bigger picture and that you would that had that instilled from you such a young age. I Isn't I love that. It's so interesting. Yeah, yeah. it's really very it is amazing important. how the older you get, I can't wait, and this sounds like a curse, but I'm not, it's not a curse. I can't wait for you to turn 50. Oh, well, you're sweet to say that. I uh, I I'm oh, telling you that that is a game changer. You oh, wait till you turn 50. You think you're wise now? Oh, I, <laughs> well, I don't know to about that. To you at 50, you are going to be a mind blower because oh you're, already, you're already on such an amazing path and you're already so wise. But there's oh, something about turning 50 as a woman where you like look around and you're like, wow, oh. it is just all come together yeah. in the most beautiful amazing way all the bad and good all the I bad. love that that is so wonderful and so freeing yes no it is and I feel like you're already like you're already there um oh, so gosh. your book yeah your book which I love hope heals I love your yes, book yes yes um but it's been read by hundreds of thousands of people I mean this is like oh yeah. this is a huge thing your book how <laughs> I just I'm, I get like caught up in titles of books I think it's because I'm a writer because I know yeah. that that you probably had a hundred other titles or maybe you didn't, maybe you just had that title and that was it. No, no, there were many others, many others. So tell me about Hope Heals. Why did you choose that title and how did Hope heal your family? Yeah, it's so funny. Um, I was in the bathtub a couple years after the stroke and I just had this moment of recognizing that, that, what my life needed to be about was how hope was healing me, even if it wasn't apparent to the world, that my soul was being healed throughout this nightmare. And so Hope Heals just kind of happened. It became the name of our faith-based nonprofit ministry. Hope Heals is the name of it. And so it was very natural that, of course, the book would be named, the initial book about the stroke would be named Hope Heals, because that's really what happened. And now, now we have a new book called Suffer Strong that's about the lessons we've learned. So Hope Heals is really the narrative of what happened, and Hope and Suffer Strong is really the lessons learned from what happened. I am all about this book. I cannot read, wait to read it. Oh, I can't wait to get you a copy. It's, I'm going to cool read story. that. I need that Suffer Strong. I need it. I do yes. too. We all need it every day to cope in life. We all need it. Yeah, we all need it. But hope, so hope is, that's, and this is what fascinates me, I think. Yeah. I think what, what, what happens when you go through a really hard thing or when you go through things that are like deeply tragic right. is that you're almost afraid to hope. 
Right. Of course. Right. Because you feel like you got your hand slapped. You're like, why should I hope? I've had my, I had my, and there are a lot of people out there that are not as faithful as you, Catherine, and even, even they want to be, but they're not. And they feel like they've had their hand slapped. Right. Oh, for sure. And of course, we all feel like that to some degree. Anybody on planet Earth for a, for a hot minute feels like, golly, this is not what it was supposed to be like. Yeah. But the reality is, it's not that way for anybody. I don't know anyone who's like, my life is exactly what I thought it was going to look like when I'm remotely, you know, when I have kids or when I'm, you know, I was supposed to get married when I was 30 and now I'm 50 and I'm not or whatever it is. Everybody has something going on. So we can all really feel like we got slapped down the hand or all get busy waking up to what we do with that slapped hand, honestly. Like, how do we live in our reality knowing, honestly, that it's, it's everybody. There's nobody yeah. who's coming out of this life unscathed. But how do we access that hope? If we feel like we have our hands light and we're feeling, maybe we're feeling a little angry. Right. Of course. How do we I, get I to feel, that? I feel like the number one way is to wake up to the reality that all we have is today. We have no idea what tomorrow holds. It may be worse than what happened yesterday, mm. but we got today. So let's get busy living it well. Because we don't know if anything getting slapped on the hand, my God, you feel like in the past is a wake up to tomorrow, maybe the same way. You know, we don't know what's coming. So mind as well really live today. And that's all we've got. You know, I talk a lot about if you have a pulse, you have a purpose <laughs> that I'm still here. I'm going to get busy doing something with my life. I could have died. And the same is true for us all. Yeah. And I think that, like you're saying, it's a time waste, right? Like getting caught up in the hand slapping part and getting caught up in like what happened, like the, the, the whole drama of your own story, getting caught up in that versus like you're saying, yeah. getting up and being like, what is today? Right. What is my impact today? How am I healing myself? How am I healing others? What can I do for others? How can I, you know, move myself forward? How can I go forward in my family? What can I, what kind of new understandings can I have today is a better way to go through life than to be like, oh, well, I'm just going to stay small because guess what? I have my hand slapped. So I don't want to have it slapped again, but guess what? You may anyway. So you might as well live the best life you can. Well, honestly, and that's not some sort of tragic, pessimistic, sad story. It's just the reality that, you know, I don't know anyone who really inspires me who hasn't been through hard things. And that's true across the board, that aspirational living is really not where most of the world hangs out. It's, um, I don't really care what this quote unquote perfect fashion blogger is doing with her life, you know? I'm interested in how do they cope with these hard life circumstances? What did they do with where they've ended up in their story? And I think 100% um, the world wants to know what do you do with your broken heart more than what do you do with your whatever um, shoe that's messed up. (laughs) Right. Rather than what does this belt go with this outfit? (laughs) Right. A hundred percent. Yes. I mean, there's something really to that, that we should all want to be more inspirational than aspirational. That's for sure. Oh gosh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like we're all really overwhelmed right now. Like even if you haven't been through maybe the hardest things in the world, I mean, we've all been through hard things, but this is a hard thing where we are right now in the world is a hard, it is a hard thing. So now I can, now I can almost say, okay, now we've all been through hard things. (laughs) Now we've collectively collectively been together in hard things, right? Absolutely. Really interesting time. We read, we, I read somewhere recently that there is an ambiguous grief we are all feeling collectively that we can't really put our finger on it, but 2020 has left us all with a grief that is, that is present in our stories. And so for us, all the questions, how are we going to respond to that? We've all got some PTSD, honestly. 
from what we've done through 2020. Whether we've lost people we love or whether we lost our job or whether we've simply struggled with children in our home full time. Whatever the struggle is, it's real for you. Goodness, pain is pain. Yeah. And the reality is as true as post-traumatic disorder is, which it's so real, there is a beautiful... Um, psychology research called post-traumatic growth that that really PTG is all about how from deep trauma and struggle people can grow. It's a growing field of research. A lot of um, clinicians are waking up to there is the ability to grow from trauma and not just be simply traumatized. Yeah. Traumatized is real for sure, but there can be opportunities to grow because of what we've been through. Absolutely. Well, how, how have you personally gone through this pandemic? I mean, you already have a lot on your plate. Let's be real. Uh, How have you been able to kind of like navigate having the pandemic on top because a lot of people have had things coming into the pandemic like oh yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna divorce my husband oh well oh now i'm gonna live with my person i want to divorce or i'm going through cancer oh now i'm gonna go through cancer in a pandemic that's fun right so like right. how did you how did you kind of pivot through this pandemic because it was an extra added layer on you yeah no it isn't it has not been easy it has not been good for me which i think is also very collective it's not been a great pivot for anybody my goodness i mean i mean you hear those people who are like it's just meant so much family time (laughs) i know i know and you're going like are you crazy oh my (laughs) gosh i mean are your kids not bouncing off the walls i mean are you are you in a marriage right about now it is not okay And I think that is so important and freeing to say out loud, like it is hardcore to be in a house with other human beings all the time. No breaks. I mean, come on. Yeah. And for me, yeah, already there's a lot in my story that makes living difficult. So, of course, it's been really, really hard. And, um, you know, one of the really interesting parts that I've never really thought about until this moment that has probably helped me not go totally insane is doing this right here is I'm almost having a version of a therapeutic release in things like Zooms and podcasts and IG lives and all of the like media that I'm still sharing on has perhaps helped keep me sane because it's this outlet to talking about my life and my story, which I think is a huge part of being able to cope is being able to talk about things, having somewhere to go with it, something to do with it, feel like you're able to really share and bless other people with it. And and probably what's one of the things that's kept me sane in the pandemic is doing that. I think I think this is like my 64th podcast since the pandemic started. No! Yeah, isn't that insane? I've done them. That's amazing. I, it's crazy. I've done them. So, which side note, I probably wouldn't have done this because I've reached my limit, but your friend and your Suzanne's friends and Allie and Chanda's friends, so I had to say yes. Well, I so appreciate that because that's why I knew, and by the way, you knew I knew it because that's why I said to you, I, I'm going to make it fun. I, I literally, I knew you were not having this. I was like, I swear we're going to have a good time. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've hit my max recently, I'll be honest, but what a blessing. I mean, many, many, many people, most people during this pandemic haven't been able to talk and process emotions and sort of make sense of their pain. And I'm getting to, so it's actually a huge blessing. So I'm grateful. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I thank you. I, I think this, I, I'm, I mean, listen, we're all over the zooms. Let's be real, but, but right. there is, you're right. When you are lacking connection and when you are in your same four walls and you're, you know, the hamster wheels just turning and the dinner and the homework and the kid and the bath and the thing and the thing, and you're just going oh. round and round yeah. you know, as much as we're tired and we're like, Oh God, another podcast. But then you get on and you talk to somebody and you connect or you call that old friend Or you, you know, FaceTime your girlfriend and you guys just crack up, you know, like you just need those moments. Otherwise, oh my goodness, yes, 
And I could go on a huge um, rant here, but I'll spare you, of how important it is to reach out throughout this time to the people in our lives who have nobody because their spouse has died because they're super old or living alone or all the reasons people are like widowers and widows and like call your grandparents or parents and like let them be a part of your life if you're living with other human beings. As hard as it is, perspective is key. You know, I really called my great aunt probably for the first time in my life um, twice in the same month. And I've done that consistently through this whole pandemic is the 89-year-old great aunt who lives alone gets phone calls. Do you want to know why? Because I need it as much as she does. When yeah. I get to be a part of encouraging something, it makes me live differently and feel differently about my life. And that's true for us all. It is good for us all, and you do have to reach out. I love that. Great Anne is probably so happy to hear from you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, seriously. I mean, you get to make someone's day. Whoa. Yeah, exactly. Well, you posted recently. I love your Instagram because you kind of microblog on there. So that's oh, like, exactly. I live for your Instagrams. Sometimes uh, they are so darkly funny. Like you did a uh, one that nearly had me laughing out loud how you were uh, he was singing um, a song to you and you're like, you know, you're, he's trying to help you on the toilet. I mean, like I literally laughed my ass off on that because I was like, so that, is, that is merit so where glad. you are like, hello, we are crazy. Look at us. Right, the, <laughs> like, real, the real deal. You have to look laugh. at us. Absolutely. We are crazy. Yes. Yeah, um, for sure. For but sure. I'm you, so glad. Yeah. I love, oh my God. I love your microblogging. Um, but you post. Well, and I love that you said that, that, that Instagram has become this weird microblog for us. And it's very fulfilling to feel like people are engaging it and find it meaningful in their lives. So thank you. Well, it's also, I think the only thing we can take if you really want to know the truth. Right. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Because we don't even have time to go to I a know. blog and read yeah. it because we're totally. so just emotional. And it's not like we don't have time. Of course we have time. We have endless time. Right. We, right. Yeah. We don't, we don't have the bandwidth. I will right. say. Right. Be like yes. Yes. To blogs and reading things. Like we're just so like, we need the bullet points and we right. need help. So when oh, you come in I, with your micro blog, that way. Absolutely. That's right? the truth. You come totally. in with this little thing and it's so short and sweet and fun and powerful and emotional and upsetting oh, and thrilling yeah. and happy and sad. Oh, and we like, so we feel like we had a little touch of you. We like, oh, we kind of yeah. high fived you and then we okay. go on with our day. Well, you, oh. are, you are sweet to say that. Goodness. Well, I, I really love it. So, but I, you posted Thank recently you. that you tripped, yeah. you tripped on a walk, you yes. dislocated your knee. And, then, yes. and I want to just read this because I love it so much. I'm going to try yeah, not to go yeah. through it because I love your writing so much. Right. Um, yeah, you say, you. life is short and often painful in ways we, will ne we never saw coming. In this especially embittered season for our country, hear me say to you, it's okay to open your hand and let go some of the hurt and anger, and in so doing, receive so much of the healing you've been looking for all along. God doesn't need you to fight so hard. You are alive today, and you are loved always. Now go live like it. So tell yeah. me tell me about what made you write that. Oh, yeah. Well, gosh, particularly in this bizarre season, A, of COVID, quarantine, all of it, but also with the election, there just seems to be so much tragic anger and fear and just divisiveness and just it's a, it's a great sadness that... Um, you know, when when you face death, <laughs> one of the great gifts is you've got some perspective of, you know, like, we can do this. We do have today. We are on earth. And we don't have to fight so hard for our beliefs and our thoughts and our opinions. And we can really, like, love each other and get on in the world. And there's there is a deep sense in me of... All we have is today. We do not know what's going to happen 10 years from now. So let's live today really well. Part of living today really well means like unity, means like making the decision to be about peace and um, not fear, not be scared of what's to come, but just live open-handedly and in the space we are. 
Yeah. Yeah. I just, you, that just, that post touched me so much because I really thought like, sometimes it does feel like I'm just like fighting and fighting and fighting. And it was just nice to sort of say to myself, no, you're okay. It's, it's okay. Like let it, let it go for a minute. It's good. You know, the world is going to keep turning. Trust me. Totally. Um, Tell me, you you often mention, I've noticed in a, a lot of your posts and your blogs and different things, you talk about that it's important that everybody has a seat of, at the table. Tell yes. me like what that looks like for people who are in a wheelchair or are right. disabled in some way. Like, tell me, yeah. what that, how, how do we help you get a seat at the table? Yes, absolutely. So I think so deeply that everyone, regardless of whether they are dealing with a disability, the color of their skin, um, any anything they're going through, anything they're living with, any who they are as people, deserve representation. My goodness, and a seat at the table is really. Where I've landed that we all as human beings, every single one of us have a seat at the table of life. And when we're not there, we're missing. And when somebody else is not there because they are not allowed to sit at that table, we are missing their perspective. And for those of us in physical wheelchairs, it's going to take a lot of effort to get to the table, let's be honest. But I like to say, you may have to hold open the door for me to get into the room, and you're going to have to wheel me up to the table, but I deserve a seat there. No less than you who effortlessly walked in and sat down, because you know what? You've got invisible wheelchairs happening, a lot of those. They're all different, but we all deserve representation and in that way we all deserve to be kind to each other that we are all dealing with stuff and let's come to the table together with our stuff and own it I love that that's such a good way to think about it I remember my friend Natasha I had her on and she talked about we were talking about like George Floyd and racism and everything and one of the things she mentioned to me which is exactly what you're saying was you know Imagine that there's all these meetings going on and there's all these doors on the outside and I don't know where the meetings are. You know where they are. Right. So I need you to get up from the table and go right. open the door behind you and let me in. Yes, that is a beautiful And I yes, was like, that really made me understand. And since then, I've really tried to introduce her to people like right. Twitter and different places she may not be invited into because I've thought right. about that and I thought she's right. All I have to do is open the door and let her in. And once she's in, she will take care of it. I'm not like worried about her skill set. My God, she's absolutely. amazing. Well, it, absolutely. It's but giving those the, of us the opportunity. For those of us who've never had to yeah, live in a world where privilege is not something we are afforded purely by the color of our skin. There is a real sense of wake up and make room at the table, pull up a seat, help them get to the table. Anyone who needs help getting to the table, whether you are a person of color who's been denied opportunities because of the color of your skin or whether you're disabled in some form or fashion or whatever the reason you are not given equity, like you are deserving of that because of the soul you have inside of you. You are a human being. Yes, I agree. Oh, oh my gosh. I could talk to you literally all day. Oh, likewise, likewise. I could literally, I I just looked at the clock and I thought, I really could talk to you for another two hours. (laughs) Well, likewise, you're so easy to talk to, Liz. So easy. Well, we're, we're on to the speed round, which is my favorite time. Because the speed round is just like the fun stuff. So we're going to go with the fun stuff. We've earned our way to the fun. Okay. Love it. Okay. Cocktail of choice. Oh, this is easy. I love old fashions. Um, I like it with about half the syrup, so it's not quite as sweet. But I also love having lived in California, mojitos. Oh, yes. I love a mojito too. So old fashioned or mojito would be my favorite. Okay. What's hilarious about that is the old fashioned is my husband's drink. Okay. And the mojito is my drink. And I just oh, I love that. That um, Landon was in vitro, but Coco, yeah. Coco was a mojito. Oh, okay, got it. Oh, I'm so glad that after <laughs> in vitro, you got pregnant. That's oh, so cool. yeah. 
Oh yeah. I had, I had all plans to do it again. <laughs> Instead, I had a couple mojitos. She was a much Instead, cheaper person. Hey, right. I'm going to say it only cost you a mojito. I love it. 14, 14 more dollars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is awesome. I love that, that story. Oh my gosh. I know, I love it. Um, okay. Tell me the mantra. I mean, I'm sure you have a billion, but a mantra or quote that you live by. Oh goodness. Well, so many, do you want one is there something I myself say or something someone else has said? I have both. Whatever you like the best or want to share. Oh gosh. Well, the most basic that I love is that we are all, um, too blessed to be bitter about what's happened in our lives. We all have way too much to be grateful for. Then we have sadnesses. And if we see life that way, that we're too blessed to be bitter, it changes how we feel about our lives. But I also really love that if you have a fault, you have a purpose. I love There's that. There's two. <laughs> I love too blessed to be bitter. You need a sweatshirt with that on it. Oh, well, I have, I, I have mugs if you want one. <laughs> I, th- I think you need to hope heal something uh, into this blessed to be better. I think that might be a book title too. I'm just going uh, well, to put that so. out there. Yeah, maybe so. It's marinated. Maybe we need like a holiday something from you, a little book that comes out next holiday season that says too blessed to be better. And it's a little, little bullet point of like 10. I'm so I- glad you like it. I think my husband thinks it's like really corny, but I think uh-huh. it's awesome. No, I love it. Good. I'm glad you do. Don't listen to him. What does he know? I'm just kidding. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, men. What do they know? <laughs> just okay. kidding. I love men. I love it. What simple thing do you do for yourself? Like a self-care tip? Because I, I keep telling people we, we, we have to do self-care right now or we're going to go nuts. Oh, no kidding. Well, the easiest and most basic one that is very unnatural for me to do is to stop absolutely everything. So allow nothing, no technology, no talking, no nothing, nothing, and stare at nature. And it is so difficult. It's crazy. So I literally will force myself to just like stop, be entirely still, think only about my breathing, only nothing else, only breathing and look at something beautiful, either either the woods behind my house or a flower arrangement, if there is one, or the plant in the corner, and just focus all of the attention on breath and nature. And it changes your brain. It's crazy. I'm going to do that. And by the way, can I stare at my Christmas tree? Is that allowed? Absolutely. Stare at your Christmas tree and think <laughs> think only about your breath. And as other thoughts land, don't get angry at yourself. Simply, I'm channeling Kurt Thompson here, <laughs> tuned, in, tuned into a lot of psychiatrists that say, basically, instead of being mad at yourself for having a thought other than the breath, just let it go. Just release okay. it peacefully. Don't be angry at yourself and come back to your breath. And all you do is think about breathing in and out and looking at the Christmas tree or whatever it is. And, and give yourself five minutes and see what happens. It's, it's powerful. I'm going to do it. Okay. You've made me want to do it. A many Millions of times people have talked about meditating on this podcast and I literally, I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, no. Yeah, you no. Just, you just gave me, I feel like I'm, you gave me a little new perspective. I'm going to try something, something about the words mindfulness, meditation. I just feel like we've heard so much now it's become a cliche. No, I'm not into that. I'm into looking at nature while I'm still and see what happens. I think okay. it's much- that's an easier goal, I feel. Right. It is so much more attainable. Yeah. Okay. What makes you feel unstoppable? Oh, goodness. Well, this is an easy one. Um, Everything that God has wired in me says I am. I can do this. You know, everything in the world around us says you are not good enough. You're not capable. You don't have this. You're not good. You're not going to do it. And Everything I know deeply to be true, everything that the Bible tells me, everything that I believe through my faith says, God has wired me to do the hard things and the good story that he's writing in my life. And whether tomorrow is the best day, the worst day, or the very last day I have on earth, I'm going to live it really well. And I'm not going to apologize for that. I'm so tired of apologizing for being awesome. Aren't you? Like, I really got to make myself seem like I'm terrible just to like (laughs) be cool and be accepted. What if I'm like, no, I'm awesome. And so is she. And let's go live like it. 
I mean, that's the best answer of my 36. I think this is podcast. That's the best answer anybody's ever given. Oh, well, I'm so glad. I'm glad to hear it. I love that answer. Oh my gosh. Okay. Who do you most admire? Oh, wow. Who do I most admire? I'm a huge fan. I don't know if you would have ever heard of her. Her name is Johnny Erickson Tada. No. She is an incredible woman. She lives actually probably not too far from you. She lives in the Gore Hills. She is an, oh, an advocate for the disabled community like none other. She is, I mean, she gives wheelchairs out around the world. Wait a minute. I do know this person. My friend, Melanie Briscoe. Do you know Melanie Briscoe? Totally, totally. She's like involved with this, right? Like she- Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Yes. Okay. Okay. I've, uh, she had told me, she's like, you have to meet this woman. She's incredible what she does. Yes. I've heard about her. Yes. Johnny has become a mentor of mine. And through our years in living California, she became a dear, dear, sweet friend. And her husband, Ken has been a mentor to Jay and their whole lives are spent reaching hurting people giving them wheelchairs and more than that, giving them hope. She's amazing. And uh, I love her. She, she, in, in short, she had a diving accident at 17 and became a quadriplegic. And now at 70 years old is one of the longest living quadriplegics on earth. And she is a phenomenal human being. You should check her out. Would um, she come yeah. on my podcast? Cause I kind of want to have her on. I bet she would. She's incredible. You should. I'll I'll give you. Okay, you have to introduce me because I really want to talk to her. She sounds. I mean, I that's so wild because I've I have heard of her before. So that's amazing. I would love to meet her. My gosh, she sounds amazing. I love I love that. I love Love that. I love it. Okay, what's exciting you the most right now? Oh my goodness, that's easy. We had this incredible summer camp for families with disabilities or somebody within the family is suffering from a disability of some kind, but the whole family gets to come to a vacation-like experience of summer camp for a week. And it is glorious. It is so phenomenal to see just the healing power of families together in the trenches of coping with disabilities and comforting each other and finding hope in their stories. It's just, it's, it's amazing. We, um, we never meant for it to be such a big thing. We just thought it'd be a really sweet offering near our home. Um, Jade's from Alabama, so it's in North Alabama. And lo and behold, we have people coming from 35 different states to Alabama in the summertime. Who knew to be <laughs> part of this camp? And it's just um, it's just a slice of heaven. It's glorious. We love it. And what do you need? Do you need donations or anything? I mean, this is the time. Oh, oh yes. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Always. We need it all. We need donations like crazy. It's totally free for the campers. So we we fundraise all throughout the year to pay for it. So they don't have to pay for a thing because let's be honest, most people in the disabled community have no money. None. They yeah. Spend all their money trying to get their people well. And yeah, everybody's broke. It's tragic. So yeah, we need donations. We also need volunteers. We need people to come and serve like crazy and get behind yeah, this mission. Okay. Where can people donate to the camp? Oh, hopehillscamp.com. Jay, is that right? Hopehillscamp.com. Com, hopehillscamp.com but the overall website is just hopehills.com and you can link to camp from that so okay either one okay well, well i'm going to definitely make a donation because that oh, is amazing and i love that whole so idea sweet list so sweet thank you for asking and give me a chance to talk about it and for donating in advance that's wonderful it's a it's like a huge blessing i can't put it into words when people are are about what matters to me these days, which is um, giving hope to people who feel very broken, weary, hopeless, and need need to be loved on. Well, Catherine, you have literally blown me away today. Oh, I just am so broken up about it. Like, I just really have loved talking to you today. It was really, you are like an insanely inspiring person. 
Oh you my are. goodness, Liz, you have blessed me. And I am so honored to get to talk to you and to know you truly are a warrior mom. Absolutely. Oh, I, well, um, you are you a know, warrior. I, right there. I have a hard story, no doubt. Yeah. You do too. You do too. You've yeah. been through a lot. Um, how many surgeries did you say your son's had? Oh, 40, 40 ish, 45, maybe. Yeah. Like I haven't sat in the waiting room for 45 surgeries, Liz. You know, I've, I will be having a week from today when I have my ACL replaced, I'll have my 12th surgery. And that feels pretty intense. Oh God, um, the surgery. I have, I haven't had to be the one sitting in the waiting room for those surgeries. My husband has. So I have a special empathy for what caregivers are enduring so you're yeah. you're a warrior you're a survivor it's not easy i get to i get to go to sleep and wake up when it's over and you have to sit in the waiting room so i i have a lot of respect for you you are incredible catherine thank you so much for doing this today and talking oh my goodness you were so welcome i mean honestly i know that this is coming out in december when everybody is going to be you know kind of having those moments where they maybe are feeling a little down or they're feeling a little separated from their family or they're, right. I don't know, their, their invisible wheelchairs are bothering them. And so I think this is the perfect thing that they will hear and they will, they're going to get their new book, Suffer Strong. They're going to get that. They're going to like, I'm telling you, you're doing so much for people today. So thank you. Oh, you are so sweet to say that. Well, it's a blessing to talk to you truly. And I am, um, I hope all the moms of the world can live out their mission to be warriors, even if they aren't coping with quote unquote, the big stuff. We all got stuff. So oh, right now we all got to be warriors. That's the truth. Right. All right, that? everybody. Thank you for joining me today. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review. This is the Conversations with Warrior Women podcast with me, Liz Swadek. Remember, every woman has a story. You just have to ask her. Bye, everybody.